Hello, you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. I'm Trav. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Risty Podcast Show. Uh, oh, I oops. fucked that up. Hey, <laughs> welcome to our Thursday show, Thursday. <laughs> I'm still caught in our, our pre. That's right. Our, <laughs> Our, our pre-talk before we started recording. Uh, welcome to our Thursday show, Thursday, a show where we take a look at the oeuvre of a one Oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema, Martin Scorsese. And what are we watching this week? Zach. This week, we're watching New York, New York, which is about a needy jazz saxophonist who grabs hold of Liza Minnelli, puts a baby in her, then runs away. Plus music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus music. Plus music. And all that jazz. But not all that jazz. But not, we're not jazzing it up. <laughs> it's just everybody's first time seeing this film. Yes. 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 Hey, Oscar Okay, Percy. wow. Whoop. I did not expect uh, Thir- you guys Thurs- to not have seen this already. Thursday firsties? Thursday firsties? Thursday firsties. I like that, though. I'm thirsty for you, Robert. Well, they call him Bob. I'm thirsty for Bob. Bad. Bad. <laughs> uh, we have no Oscar breakdown on this film, so I guess we'll just get well, into there's, talk. There, there's a there's a Golden Globe Award breakdown. Oh, Zach, go ahead and give us a breakdown then. Golden Globe Awards. It was nominated for Best Original Song for New York, New York mm-hmm. by Fred Ebb and John Kander. Okay. It received Please. a nomination for Best. Did I say his name wrong? Oh, no, no, you, I was going to say the team behind Chicago and... Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and they're, they're literally like the same song, except yeah. they just... Cha- they, I feel like they sing the word Chicago and the word New York the same. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, damn it, it fell out of my brain. The Chicago and what else? Liza Minnelli Nazi was movie. The, oh, was it... Uh, Cabaret. Yeah, Cabaret. Mm. Just fell out of my brain. Okay, yeah. go on, sorry. <laughs> It also received a Best Actress nomination for Liza Minnelli, Best Actor for Robert De Niro in the categories of Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and also a Best or Motion Comedy, pic- Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. I, I hate that category so much. What the yeah. fuck? I how do you pay, how do you compare those two? You 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 shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah. They just threw them in the same. But you know what that means? Nobody gives a shit about those two subjects. So they were like, yeah, just throw them together. Yeah, Why the, they need separate awards? N- normally, what it is is that they want to give a musical an award, but they also want to give some other movie an award. The Hollywood Ford Press Association. Fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. They're not even going to have a Golden Globes this year because they suck so bad. Is that true? <laughs> I have not heard this. Yeah. Um, they uh, got they got Golden Globes. Uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association is so white-ed out of having an award show this year. Mm. Because wow. they have no people of color in Wait. like 80 journalists or however many it is. Damn. Good. Yeah. Boy. Ricky Gervais uh, murked him. Mm-mm-mm. That's crazy. Yep. So now what? <laughs> <laughs> so now there's just not going to be that. Do you, so do they just go next year and all those movies get skipped? Or My hope is that there's never a Golden Globes again because the Golden okay. Globes is a nightmare. <laughs> I hate the Golden Globes, but I watch them every year. <laughs> you don't think they're more entertaining than the Oscars? 
the the ceremony tends to be more yes, entertaining than that, the Oscars. That's what I mean. Yes, right. Which is why I watch it because uh-huh. uh, it, it's always fun to watch. More relaxed. The most drunk. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there's a reason we're not doing dumpster fire, Golden yes. Globe worsty podcast. Well, you know what's got to be, you know what's got to be bad when literally Ricky Gervais is just roasting them every year, and they're just like, well, we want more of that. Yeah. We want more of that. And it's like, All right. Choke me, daddy. Yeah. Bring, me, bring the self-deprecation. We love it. Oh, Lord. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, let's talk yeah. about this movie. Okay. Who really enjoyed this movie? Because I did. You did? I, I did. enjoyed it. I wouldn't say really enjoyed it. Well, I'm the outlier. I struggled <laughs> with this movie. I struggled. This movie is the kind of mess that I really sink my teeth into well i think I, hmm. well ahead, that's what i'm gonna ask zach is did you struggle with it because the runtime because that's where my struggle is they, they could have chopped off 40 minutes of this film yes or do you struggle with it because of the content of the film and what's going on both if okay. uh i think there is a very good one hour and 50 minute movie here like i a, can agree with that really a thousand good. percent there's so many scenes were meandering and like it's like okay the scene should have been over like three or four minutes ago or or this line could have been over 10 seconds ago just trim the the, i do not like the editing team on this movie the the mm, the costumes the sets the colors the music the cinematography by uh your boy laszlo kovacs (laughs) was Wonderful. Coax cable. But uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll I'll reserve a few more comments for a few minutes after Paul has some thoughts on the film. But I just mm, mm. Well, here, let me insert myself between you and Paul so we can upscale you know <laughs> this movie yeah. a little bit. My my thing with the movie is I think it was last week where you said um he makes Travis Bickle look like what did you say? He makes oh, Travis Bickle look like what? Look charming or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I messaged <laughs> that to the chat, something like that. Okay, and um, I mean, you're not wrong in that statement. Outside of, I think, you know, his other character, Travis Bickle, is a little bit more of a loose cannon, mm-hmm. but um, they're equally as garbage. I mean, yeah. this dude is serious garbage. This is my problem with the film, and maybe it's because we're sitting in 2021, right? So that's where my mindset is for what a woman should not should take. Cause they never should have taken that, but you know what I mean? What they would take versus back then, as far as treatment is concerned. And it's like, it just, the relationship makes no sense to me. How is this even, how did it even get past the first date with this dude? In my opinion, like yeah. she, she doesn't need him. She's not, you know, a down and out chick, you know, she served time in the military. She's a great singer. She had a great job. She's giving him opportunities. I don't know why she had her chance to get away from him and then invited. I, I don't understand the relationship in this film and what Zach was talking about where scenes like meandered and went on too long. I think scenes straight up, um, didn't need to exist personally maybe i missed something in the context of her uh 
motivation for what she saw in him. Maybe, maybe it was the artist in him that she I, connected with. I, I, I think that's a hundred percent of what it is. Yeah. Uh, is so that she, he's an artist and he's very, he's got that determined spirit. And while it is very toxic in the way that he treats her and, uh, chases her uh it's it's very admirable in the way that he knows he's great and is willing to put himself out there to further his career Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for me the point is his toxicity Mm. and that's really what draws me into the film is watching somebody who is obviously just the wrong person for somebody and she shouldn't have given him the time of day and watching how he wears her down Mm. and, and it's, it's not played as a positive thing, right? It's not played as cute. It's, it's always very alarming and it's always very kind of scary the way that he does certain things like, track her down across country. <laughs> God. Well, he didn't track her down, right? She told him where she was. But he went there and they had already moved on from that town. So he had to go to like another oh, okay. town yeah. to try to find them. Like he he put he put entirely too much work into trying to find this one woman because she gave him the time of day one day. Yeah. I mean the the opening of the movie i i was robert de niro's played some awful characters over the years he's played some some creeps some assholes some some just uncomfortable people this i think is taking the cake for me though just his the not leaving her alone when she said no no go away leave me alone so many times and I, then the kissing scene so i'll i'll bring you back to your connection uh, the goodbye girl that you talked about. Okay, yeah. The holding her and kissing her outside the taxi just... Ah, I hated it. Yeah, I, I, know, I know that's the point, but... Yeah. <laughs> it, but, like, in The Goodbye Girl, it's played as cute. Mm. It's played as, like, oh, look at this this adorable way he's not... Like, Richard Dreyfus isn't giving up kissing this woman as she's telling him no. She He's just, he's just got to wear her down a little bit more because you know she wants it. Uh, and that doesn't sound cute at all. <laughs> no, it's not cute at all. And it shouldn't be played as cute, but it's played as cute. And, and I mean, it happens in more movies than we really want to talk about right now, but like it's, it's a, it's a trope that continues on. But here in the same year as goodbye girl does it to be cute. This film is like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah, the at no point does Scorsese like want you to think that this guy is cute. When you meet him, he is throwing cheap one-liners at every woman in the room and for some reason he just gets stuck on Liza Minnelli's character and will not give up. I love it at the end of the scene though that she essentially wins the scene. She's like, "All right, bye." and leaves. Mhm. And we, he, had it not been this movie, we, they may never see each other again. Yeah. 
but just circumstances work out that she's trying to find her friend and here he is uh, sharing the room with the guy that her friend is sleeping with and they just end up thrown together. So I think, you know, you, you talk about this kind of um, makes me appreciate a little bit the fact that Scorsese is playing with the tropes. He He's like hitting us over the head with, here's all the stuff that was cutesy in these old, old Hollywood movies. I'm, I'm just going to show you how shitty it really was. And it, I guess it just makes for an uncomfortable watch a lot of the time. But then there's other parts of the movie where it's played so straight like an old Hollywood musical. And I feel like it has a A major dissonance. Yeah. Which is kind of why I couldn't look away from this film. And I got so engrossed in it and I could not stop watching it was (laughs) it's two completely different movies in one movie. Yeah. And Scorsese, who is in the middle of a major Coke bender while making yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah. I have <laughs> um, that in my notes to bring up to you about. Which, Cocaine which is, and banging Liza Minnelli, apparently. Yeah, uh, apparently he and Bob were. Yeah. Liza Minnelli, <laughs> fun. Uh, but this movie is not near as fun as like Stephen King's Coke bender when he makes Maximum Overdrive. But <laughs> An incredible film. Incredible. Oh, my God. I love that movie so much. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's two completely different movies and I love all the, all the studio sets he builds. I, I think yeah. it's a gorgeous looking film. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he obviously, he obviously wanted to keep with the Scorsese, like gritty realism that he brought with like taxi driver and mean streets. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's like, Oh, but I love big Hollywood musical so i want to kind of pay tribute to that those two things don't work together they, Come on, see, and i don't feel like it's a music like, i don't know why it's categorized as one personally i don't i don't feel like this is in any way shape or form i mean at that point you might as well just call every disney movie a musical like yeah this is not a musical in my opinion in the slightest she just happened it just happens to be their jobs numbers. involve music yeah right yeah I agree. I I was waiting for it to become more of a musical at one point. And I was a little disappointed that, you know, I was sold. It was sold to me as a musical and I'm watching it. I'm like, all right, so I guess we're just doing musical performances, which are, which are fine. I I really enjoyed a lot of them. Like the first one that Mm. uh, they do together when he's auditioning for Dick Miller. Oh, and I'm so happy Dick Mm -hmm. Miller was in this movie. (laughs) Like, he's one of those character actors who's been around forever. And uh, he was, he was the lead in Roger Corman's bucket of blood. (laughs) And he was the, uh, he was the, what the neighbor in gremlins. Hmm. He's like in every Joe Dante film. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. He's a great, he's a great character actor. And I was so happy to see him in this, but uh, I really like the, the musical, the, number that they did for him. I thought that was a, a cute little thing. He liked mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um also I wanted to bring up that this uh this was Jack Haley's last movie before yep. he passed. And now did Liza Manelli meet Jack Haley Jr.? No, I think on, they were married at the movie? time. <laughs> oh, they were already married. I think so. So she's married to Jack Haley Jr. She's banging Scorsese. Banging and Bob, and he's married to and, his first yeah. wife. 
It's just um, a bender, like Paul said. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's cheating on each other because it is Hollywood and people, you know, may be more open with their relationship. So I'm not accusing anybody of cheating. I'm just pointing out there's a lot of fucking going on on this this film. And I got to say this real quick because I did not know this um, about Judy Garland. Um, because obviously, you know, she looks just like her mother. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she looks so much like pretty fucking spot on. I did not know there was a twenty year age gap between her dad and her mom. Mm. Um, and nobody talks about this. Like, yeah, and your dad's twenty years older than your mom, bro. (laughs) You wonder why Vincent Minnelli made uh, Gigi. Gigi, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. now I'm like, well, what was it like for this chick growing up? Because, you know, she's been, you know, married multiple times, divorced. And um, I don't know if that has anything to do with her dad being 20 years older than her mom, to be honest with you. And Judy Garland's life is Yeah, yeah. Awful. I saw Judy with um, Renee Zellwinger. Yeah. And, that, and I'm not a huge Renee Zellwinger fan, you know what I mean? But she absolutely killed it yeah, as she, Judy that, Garland. That's a real scratch the surface kind of thing, too. Like. Judy Garland's life sucks. <laughs> Dude, that you got the feeling from the little snippet of her life. Like, even though they covered yeah. her whole life, they covered snippets. Mm-hmm. You got the feeling that God, her I would never no amount of money can make me want to have that life. Nope. So I can imagine how shitty her life really was. But um also the Scorsese thing, they they pretty much say he's on cocaine this whole time and you know. It's yeah. kind of a shit show of a thing to film, but they claim this movie, you know, was such a box office failure that it drove them even deeper into yeah. depression and drugs and stuff. And um, yeah, because they they spend like what fifteen on it and makes like they, thirteen. I think they yeah they I think they spend fourteen and they made sixteen. I yeah, think it, is what yeah. It was. I was gonna say I, I knew it was somewhere in that ballpark, like. Yeah, it's just so it means they probably lost money because they probably spent more than two million dollars on advertising. Oh, and- it, it's it's usually what you want to do is double the budget, mm-hmm. and then that's when something starts becoming a success. So it right. it would have needed to make twenty eight to start being considered a success. Yeah, so I yeah. also read that um they had some sort of deal with the Rocky film because they thought the Rocky film was going to bomb. Yeah, so they made money. <laughs> off- off of Rocky to make up for this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I just find that so funny. Uh, apparently, you know, De Niro, the method actor that he was, uh, learned to play the saxophone. They still had to overdub it because he wasn't wasn't good enough. <laughs> there, well, but, there's no way. There's no. I don't. Yeah. He was probably good enough to play notes. There's or no way yeah. that yeah. you could just be that good in a year. Of where, playing saxophone, bro. Where he's actually, like, blowing into the sax and giving a performance, and he's not just some guy with, like, a sax in his mouth. So, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, though, because it looks realistic. And <laughs> no, a- absolutely. Like, you could tell he's uh, um, kind of like those guys. They can't play gu- – they couldn't really play guitar like that, but they're good enough to make it look realistic and playing those notes. You know, I spent my whole life playing saxophone, and – I'm not even half as good as Jimmy Doyle. So there's no way, <laughs> there's no way that Bob 
you know, was just crushing it on this saxophone after a year playing. There's just no way. Uh, and he was a hell of a sax player, though. Do you yeah. know who overdubbed? No. Oh, do you? No. What if I busted it out and I was like, you know, uh, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. Quarterback for the Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know that name. Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Huh. And what, of a hell of a, what a hell of a movie for Jack Haley to be in to round out his life. Right. Because, I mean, they just talk about, from what I read, it sounded like the experience was a shit show filming this movie. Like, Scorsese yeah. wasn't on his best performance, to say the least. So, it's a shame to me that a legend like him, this was... Huh, did Martin Scorsese kill Jack Haley? Is what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just crush this man, beat him down to nothing. So you're saying New York, New York is to Jack Haley what uh, Beverly Hills Ninja was to uh, Chris Farley? <laughs> Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a uh, trying to Google here um, who played the sax, and it said jazz virtuoso. Kamasi Washington. I was like, wait, no, that, he wasn't even. <laughs> that is not what happened. One of his first big sessions was a part of. Oh, Ryan Adams' cover of New York, New York. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. There you go. But, um, yeah, so, I didn't think this movie sucked, but it was way too long. Way, way, way. It's like Scorsese. What are you doing, bro? Why does every film do you feel like has to be this long run, bro? An hour and a half will do you just good, bro. You know? Yeah, I, I, understand. I, 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 I agree that it could have been tightened up. I, again, a lot of my fascination with this film is just how dissonant and, like, the dichotomy of the two, mm-hmm. like, parts of the film that he's trying, he's trying to make one thing and they just don't work together. Like, you can't have, you can't have on the town and uh the lost weekend in the same movie it just doesn't work yeah i will say i I like the last uh you know 20 30 minutes with the big uh new york new york number i I, Mm -hmm. that song is no matter how overplayed it is it's a great song right and uh the ending with you know him like come see me and then she decides not to and him walking off it's a it's a good ending i I do want to say this about the performance of that song, and uh, it is a great song, but her performance is so bad on her. We were just talking about Robert De Niro. Legitimately, you believe that he was this good at the saxophone. Her lip singing is fucking god awful. (laughs) At the end, when they have the camera pan to the top and she's belting out New York, her lips are open this wide, bro. And I'm like, there's no fucking way that she belts out this Whitney Houston note like this and her lips are open, you know, half an inch. Come on. Um, <laughs> dude, for real. Like, maybe other people don't notice it. Maybe it's because how involved in music I am. Yeah. But I watched that performance and I was like, this is a shitty job, personally. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where sometimes the the stage performances don't translate to film and when you're as good a broadway actress as liza minnelli is lip syncing is probably not the forte (laughs) well there should really be no excuse because even if she's saying it for real and it just sounded like not that good 
you still would have got her singing it with emotion and mm. you just didn't get that dude you know in in my opinion yeah I, I I liked her uh, her movements and she showed emotion in the performance. But I agreed with the lip sync. I I noticed it was off a bit, and I just kind of oh. looked to the side a little bit and watched her feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, one thing I did. This film definitely made me miss clubs like this. I mean, I wasn't alive. You know what I mean. So <laughs> I've always wanted to experience. I'm sure they do exist, like in niche markets, like. New York and stuff, but right down here, you know, in Virginia Beach, you're not getting, you know, a jazz <laughs> club or something. And right. I was like, this would be a, just a nice club to go do. Sit down, have a nice dinner. You get a nice live performance and not a DJ just playing some loud ass music and blaring your face off. You know, mm. it's a nice chill performance. And I was like, damn, what, you know, what kind of happened to those days, man? Yeah. We need that. Yeah, once our, once this podcast starts making the millions, we need to open one up here. <laughs> we, we can sponsor that. Sounds good. And we can call it Thursaysies. That's right. It'd be there great. Um, and I just want to bring up one more thing, and I really don't have anything else to say. And it's not about the film. It's about Martin Scorsese. Um, the, uh, first off, Paul's introduction to Martin Scorsese is probably the best introduction Martin Scorsese has ever had in his life. And... <laughs> I feel like if he heard this, he would really appreciate, you know, his nicknames that you have given him. But um, my thing is, the more Martin Scorsese movies I watch, the more I the more I think about the MCU comment he made and think, fucking you are full of shit, Scorsese, because he's got uh, some fucking stinkers, bro. Like, this ain't a stinker, but it's not good. Uh, there's a I plethora mean- of MCU movies much better than this film so the more scorsese stuff we're watching the more i'm salty about that <laughs> statement i i mean i i wholly disagree with you he's he's not incorrect at all but um when you're on a long when enough you claim time to make like, a musical and give us this and it's not a fucking musical he but it's claimed, it's not cookie cutter it's not it's not that's he, I, I think that's the one he gave <sighs> he made a he made a tribute to old old hollywood musicals but it wasn't. It's peop, other people that have sold it to us as a musical. And dude, there's a plethora of MCU movies I think are garbage. We can't say that he doesn't make cookie cutter movies. He makes a Scorsese cookie cutter movie where he goes into the same movie with the same gimmick where I'm going to make garbage dudes and you're going to hate those garbage dudes. And that's every fucking Scorsese film. Yes I'll, or no? I'll say I'll say that yes, he has a okay. So a he has a formula model. that he follows. He has and a they have a formula. He has a protagonist model, which a lot of directors tend to like. Auteur directors tend to have a uh, uh, a certain character that they're really interested in. Like Darren Aronofsky really likes uh, protagonists that are uh, very self destructive, and whatever is their whatever loves them kills them is that whatever whatever is their their truest desire is the thing that is going to end up right. de- destroying them like it it's an auteur thing and yeah uh it it's easy to fall into model after model but You're he does yeah yeah he does he does break from that a lot i think you know i'm i'm not going to go on long about his comments i think the one thing that he was really upset about the MCU is that it doesn't take a lot of risks. 
Yeah, and and he takes risks. Like, right. This doesn't film, always work. Doesn't yeah, always this work. This film right. is a risk. I agree. I I agree. And um, I think there's a lot of stuff that doesn't take enough risks. Uh, I think we talked about. I talked about this with Paul. Uh, we were watching some. I forgot what Nicolas Cage movie it was. I was like, I just wanted them to take more risks oh, and pig? get a little bit pig? more weirder. It was either Pig or Willie. Willie's Wonderland. Either way, both of them just didn't take enough risk, in my opinion. Uh, it was like they had a wild idea, and then somebody said, you should tame it down a bit, and they tamed it down a bit. That's kind of how I felt. I think Pig is exactly the movie it's supposed to be. I think, it, again, this is a problem with the film that we were sold by whoever cut those trailers is not the film that the It made it look like made. Taken with a Pig. Yeah, that's that's what that's what we were sold, <laughs> but whoever made the film was like, that's it's a quiet contemplation about the the need to take risk in art. <laughs> Dude, he doesn't even talk for like the first 25 minutes of the film. He just grunts. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. That, but yeah, that's pretty much all I'm saying on this movie. I don't really have anything else to say about it. Um, okay, Zach, because you brought up the, uh, the Golden Globes, I had to find out what it all lost to. <laughs> so I okay. did. Um. All right, so uh, best picture comedy or musical, it loses to Goodbye Girl. Oh wow! Was Annie uh, Hall nominated in that? Annie category? Hall was nominated, and also uh, everybody's favorite musical, Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> sure, like shit isn't Saturday a comedy. <laughs> uh, and High Anxiety, the Mel Brooks film. Oh, that's cool. Is nominated as well. Um, best actor, uh, comedy or musical. De Niro loses to Richard Dreyfuss in The Goodbye Girl. Okay, so he won that and the Oscar. Yep, uh, and Mel Brooks is nominated for High Anxiety. Um, best Actress, There is a Tie, Diane Keaton and Marsha Mason for The Goodbye Girl. Okay. Mm. Uh, beat out Liza Minnelli. Uh, Sally Field is also nominated for Smokey and the Bandit and uh. the great Lily Tomlin for The Late Show. Uh, and then finally best original song it also loses to you light up my life from you light up my life god i don't think there's a chorus of fake deaf children <laughs> in at the golden globes as there was at the oscars well that just triggered a statement and a question for me okay uh i don't think liza minnelli's performance was worthy of winning any awards personally probably yeah. because of the musical number at the end where she shit the bed on the lip singing, but what's it called? My other statement is, do you guys feel like this should have been nominated for an Oscar? No. No, okay. No, this film is a mess, but it's it's the film's messiness that, again, is what is that attributed to Scorsese's Coke addiction? I, I think it is. I think, I think so. I think the mess is in the directing, um, because on the page, I can see where this is a much more straightforward film. And also, um, apparently, he just let the uh, improvisation and ad-libbing on the set get completely out of control to where they could barely even edit the film together. It shows. shows. Well, then, does he have a falling out with whoever wrote the film? I don't Uh, know. Like, are they like, dude, you ruined my film? Because Hmm. it's just one of those things where people get upset when you write a film and... He, you know, I, you don't bring the life what they wanted. 
I don't think he really uh, did. Uh, the DVD copy I have, which is part of the weird box that I have, has a little introduction with him. And he says, you know, they tried things and, and you know, it didn't always work. Uh, you could tell he kind of still has some pain talking about it a little bit, like he was doing this, his nervous little smile that he does sometimes when he's reflecting. Um, so I, he didn't call out anybody. So, Okay. So there were two writers on the film, two credited writers. The first is Earl Mac Rauch. And I don't know if he has a falling out with him, but Earl Mac Rauch doesn't have another credited screenplay until 1984, where he writes <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Oh my God. I was just what a, dude, that movie's great. I don't care. No, I love that. Uh, also, apparently, he wrote the book Buckaroo Banzai. Hell yeah. So I don't know if, if he just. Earl. Ad- yeah, I don't know if he just adapted his own screenplay or if he wrote the book and then got the screenplay. So uh, we'll discuss that at some other time. Uh, the other credited screenwriter is Martin Martin. Oh, that's who his was, boy, ain't it? Yeah, who was his co-writer on Mean Streets mm-hmm. and would go on to be Paul Schrader's co-writer on Raging Bull. Okay. Oh, okay. So apparently They're not. boys already, though. So, yeah. I mean. It was, it was, they just had a bad party. That's all. <laughs> yeah and you know and and if you're already if if you're his co-writer already and you know how he is at as a director you're probably expecting something but i mean <laughs> uh, i just want to know was he coked up filming the irishman that's what i want to know oh <laughs> uh, uh, i hope he's clean and good these days and i think he is i no, I think he, sure I think he, he cleans up sure not too long after this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I thought he was still on benders in the nineties. Oh, he. I mean, he could relapse. Who knows? <laughs> we'll figure out when we get there. We'll figure yeah. it out. Ugh. He 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 uh, learned to control it by the time he makes After Hours. Is my guess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Everything in moderation. Yeah. Well. Any other special notes about um, this? No. Nope, just that Liza Minnelli's dad is 20 years older than her mom. That's all. <laughs> I just and, can't get over it. Yeah. I just can't imagine growing up in that. On, oh, dude, it's so weird to me. I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, let's move on from it. Hollywood grooming is so gross. Oh. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, there you go. That's more of a musical than fucking New York, New York right there. I just wish people would stop trying to sell movies the wrong way. It yeah. really pisses me off. Yeah. Well, Scorsese's the one that claiming this is a musical too. It's not like the studio was just like, "Yeah, we're gonna make it. A, we're gonna call it a musical now." And he had no intentions of doing that. He's on board for the musical thing, so he's the blame for the mis uh, categorizing, in my opinion. Part of it. There was a quote here where he lo- said, "Paul's love for Martin Scorsese sometimes it, it puts those blinders on him, man." I just, I just know how, I just know how Hollywood uh, advertising works, and it's all bad, it's all bad <laughs> it's all the all time, bad. all <laughs> bad all, all the bad time. Unless you're already in a market like star, a franchise. Unless it's a franchise, yes, it's all bad. But and, typically, marketing for a franchise, they know the formula, and it, they're selling you what they're selling you. And even then, even then, you you get a few misfires on marketing, especially when like we're not talking about the Last Jedi, sir. Okay. I mean, 
that's <laughs> a perfect movie. But um, shout out to the Licorice Pizza trailer. That was a pretty good. trailer. Oh God, no, that's such a good trailer. Um, I was just thinking, like, so when Marvel did the whole like announcing of what was it Phase Three, and they were like, oh, we're gonna do. We're going to do Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they go back on it. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, this is, Now it's Infinity War and it's an unnamed Avengers sequel that is not a direct sequel to, to Infinity War. They're not, they're not a continuation of each other. So you just lied to us. Yeah. <laughs> you, you lying liars and the the lie they lie. You're selling us Lord of the Rings and you didn't give it to us. Because because they realized when they when they got to the end of the movie, they went, Oh shit, if we call it part two, everybody's gonna know that they're just gonna come back. True. <laughs> got it. But I, I still miss Cap in the beard. They shouldn't have never shaved off the beard. That's true. Something about uh Chris Evans in a beard, man. Mm. He rocks a hell of a beard. Mm. Like my I- man. Like, like my two gentlemen friends over here. Y'all are killing the beard game right now. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Wax on. Yeah. I, I got your wax on. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. I guess we'll get into our worsty judgment. Trap. I'm yes. going to ask you this very seriously. I hope so. Is this, this is a serious Mar- subject. This is Martin Scorsese's worst movie. Is it his worst movie? Um, it is his worst movie since Mean Streets. But it is not his worst movie at all. Um, I still like it more than Alice. And I still like it more than Who's That Knocking At Your Door, man. So, no, this is not his uh, worst movie. Zach? Zach, is this Martin Scorsese's worst movie? Well. Pause for effect. Sorry. (laughs) I held back a little bit because I'm going to say yes. I actually did not like this movie at all. I, it made me physically uncomfortable. And I understand um, the approach to De Niro's character and the toxicity but this is one of the very few movies where I just could not. He's he's doing a good job at it, but I. Th- there's nothing that draws me in to want to watch the character. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. The editing is bad. Like I said, there's probably a good movie in there if it was pieced together by someone else. I think he's badly missing uh, Thelma here. Uh I, I'm and, glad and, and Marsha like, and Marsha she's off doing fucking Star Wars and shit you know <laughs> um, winning Academy Awards for Star Wars and then yeah. crying <laughs> which which is a film she has a mighty handed like the first Star Wars is a completely different movie if Marsha Lucas isn't on it mm, mm-hmm. a mighty hand mm. but and yeah. still better than Star Wars mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh but yeah, I I have to be honest, this is probably a Scorsese I'm never going to watch again. I'm glad I watched it for the context. I'm glad I watched it with the knowledge that him and De Niro and Liza Minnelli are probably all doing coke and banging each other on a big <laughs> pile of it. 
That's interesting. <laughs> it's it's, it's On a interesting. Big pile of it. I think I think she and De Niro both put in good performances. Overall, she there's so much emotion in a lot of the scenes, and and you can feel the anguish and the like. What the fuck? Like, get away! Like the the scene where they're in the car and they're just beating the shit out of each other. It's like, mm-hmm. but then they stop all of a sudden. The baby. Oh, the baby. baby. God, I I don't like watching so much tumultuous, toxic relationship stuff. I know. It's, so it's the guy who likes Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's more introspection on on the the existential crisis. Like, I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I just I wouldn't want to see or know someone like Jimmy Doyle. I don't care how good he is on the saxophone. Get the fuck away from me. The end. Paul, what do you think? Is this Martin Scorsese's worst? Uh, no, I don't think this is his worst movie. I think it's his it's his messiest movie so far, mm-hmm. which is saying something because I think Who's That Knocking on My Door is also a complete mess. But it, it while I have it ranked lower, I do find it more charming. But mm-hmm. I don't think this film is at any point supposed to be charming. And that's a big part of why I'm so gravitated toward it um i i'm kind of with you i may never watch it again i might just to i don't know the the performances in this are really good de niro's excellent and i think liza minnelli's better in this than she is in cabaret which she Mm. wins an academy award for um and dick miller's in it and i haven't talked about him enough um no i it's it's one that i wouldn't I wouldn't suggest to people unless I knew those yeah. people's tastes kind of like taxi driver last week, but for different reasons where taxi drivers more of a film that is volatile and you don't think to, everybody yeah. should see taxi driver. I think everybody should te- see taxi driver. I just wouldn't suggest it to a lot of people. Like if, yeah, <laughs> if tomorrow my mom was like, suggest me a movie. Taxi Driver's the last movie I would think of to suggest to my mom. <laughs> she might like it, though. She she liked um, Departed. So, yeah, that being said, I, I don't think it's his worst. I think he's doing a lot of good things with it. It could be chopped down. He needed a better editor. Um, but I think it's a complete thought, but stylistically doesn't gel with what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. So... It's weird. It's it's a weird mess of a film, and I just could not stop watching it. Okay, I'm interested to see if uh, you know some movie that I haven't seen of his kind of uses any of this sort of style again. I I don't really think I can think of one, um, but with like the set pieces and and the bright colors, maybe not till he gets to something like Hugo. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. You might be right. I mean, I think some of the sets on King of Comedy are bright, but they're oh. bright for different reasons. They're mm. it's not a bright film. Yeah, I was gonna say that's one's coming up that I just never had any interest in watching. Oh, oh, oh. which one? Wow. King of Comedy. Yeah. So oh, we'll that's... see. We'll see what happens when I watch it, but it was never anything that made me go, I got to see that movie. Well, so we'll see. I, I don't want to, I'm trying not to give away my feelings on too many of the movies so early, 
but that's that's what I'm looking forward to rewatching. Me too. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess we'll call it there. Trav, you want to let people know where they can find you on the socials media? Um, yeah, of course, man. As always, you can find me at ZK Audio on the Instagram. You can find me on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd doing all my movie reviews. Also, you can listen to my podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, every Tuesday on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart. Wherever you listen, we're there. We're also uh, video portions released on Friday on the YouTube, and that is at Leveling Up Banks. Uh, Mr. Zach McCoy, where are we going to find you at? Find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, or at TikTok, House Havoc, or on Letterboxd, by my name. All you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films I watched during the week. This week, I watched Starman, the John Carpenter film, a film I'm really upset that it took me this long to watch because that film is ridiculously good. Doesn't that have bridges? Yes, and I love bridges. Yes. Man, I'm getting that in everywhere. This, how did this become my bit? What did I do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a reference to a Disney XD show. Um, <laughs> if anybody didn't know that, yes. I didn't actually. Uh, I was going to say probably I'm the only one who does know that because oh. I'm probably the only one that watches Mighty Med. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Starman, John Carpenter, it's really good. Uh, what are we watching next week, Zach? We are watching The Last Waltz, which you can find for free on Pluto TV. Or if you're a masochist like Francine Evans, you can pay to watch it on Vudu. Excellent. <laughs> All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like thank to thank you. Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at the Oscarsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five star review like Zach did with New York, New York. Ugh. Uh, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher it really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've lied twice in a row about me and Jonathan giving five-star reviews. I didn't you- lie. I made a joke. True. <laughs> joking is half the battle. Obviously, you guys didn't give these five stars. It's supposed to be funny. Thanks for ruining ah! my joke, Zach. So for begrudgingly for Zach and Trav. (laughs) No, I love you. Um, For Trav, Zach, and Dick Miller, I would like for you all have a damn fine day.